perhaps it's the fact that I had a recent birthday. And as you get older, those aren't always good things. There's a, there's a reminder that begins to set in that there is more behind than there is ahead. I don't know if you've looked into the book of Ecclesiastes, but the first reading is depressive. And so is the second. And the seventh. It goes on like that for a while. Because the book is intent on stripping away false hope. And stripping away that kind of sense that, you know, I'm just going to move from happy thing to happy thing to happy thing. And I'm going to medicate myself with a little bit of entertainment and a little bit of distraction and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And, and I'm just going to, and that's how life is. And it just strips that away. I don't know if you've spent a portion of your life building something. Could be a relationship. Could be a business. Could, could be a, a house, literally. Only to find that somehow all your effort just evaporates. And you don't have anything left to show for it. If that's happened to you, then then the book of Ecclesiastes has something to say to you. We're going to be in the book of Hebrews, but I want to read a verse from Ecclesiastes. How's this? It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He says, I have seen everything done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after wind. Vanity. Pointless. Striving after wind. An unhappy business. Because no matter what you spend your life on, it's going to end. And if we spend our lives caring most about this life, we will find nothing in our hands on that last day. Which is quite the sobering. I hope this evening that the Christmas Eve service is for you like it has been for me many times, kind of stepping out of that world in a sense, stepping into a kind of a warm place from the cold. It is that. I know that much for you tonight. It is stepping into a warm place from the cold, but I hope, I hope it's a place and a, a time where, where you can enjoy and, and relax and be refreshed inwardly before the Lord and with others. I hope that's true. But it would certainly be wrong for us to think of the Christmas story as something that belongs sort of at Christmas Eve services and in happy family rooms with little kids running around with shiny presents waiting to be opened. As though we can relegate the Christmas story to the, the happy times of life. When we can sing those Christmas songs with, with all of our hearts. The message of Christmas is so much more robust than that. It is for so much more. This message of, of God made flesh, of Christ's birth in Bethlehem, of the, the manger and the magi, of the shepherds and the star, it's not just for cozy holiday evening. For orphanage and hospice care. Hospital. 
and sensitive. It is a powerful message for all of life. This evening we're taking as our text Hebrews 2, just two verses, verses 14 and 15. And they may be surprising to you, and they are, I suppose, unusual, because they don't discuss the circumstances of Jesus' birth. There's no manger, there's no magi, there's no shepherds, there's none of that. It doesn't tell us the circumstances of his birth, but it does tell us, tell us our circumstances when he came. The circumstances of this world, of the despair and the depression and the decay and the death that permeates this world. So this evening's passage is not really how did Christmas happen? Why did Christmas happen? <clears throat> Hebrews 2, follow along with me. I'm going to read these two verses for us, beginning in verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. God's word begins with these words. It says, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood. The passage is talking about us, and it's calling us children. In that most generic sense of the children of God, those who are created by God and are therefore his children. And so the children share in flesh and blood, which is to say we're human. We are human beings. made with flesh and blood. I don't know if you've given much thought to what it is to be human because there is so much mystery and wonder to a human being. So much. Oftentimes we don't think of it until we lose it. There's so much wonder in a human being. The light and the love the heart and the humor, the creativity, the, the ingenuity, the compassion, the companionship. These are like, they're like glimpses of the image of God that we see in others. And all of that beauty is set in flesh and blood, in vulnerability, in mortality, prone to disease and disaster and decay, and death. So we've got a life so beautiful and so fragile. Children of flesh and blood. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same thing. He himself being Jesus. Jesus partook of the same thing. That is, he became human. This is a Christmas birth. Right? This is Jesus taking on human flesh. This is Jesus, God of gods, light of light, infinite and powerful and beautiful and glorious and mighty. 
And all of that being clothed and hidden in the same vulnerability and weakness that you and I have. If our human shell holds something of a mystery of the image of God, well, Christ held all the fullness of the God clothed in human form. Weak and vulnerable and mortal. He himself likewise partook of the same thing. Verse 15 describes a little bit more of the situation that he entered, of our condition. Let's listen to how it describes us. We who through the fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Slavery, like slavery, captivity or prison or bondage. And it is a lifelong slavery. This is an amazing statement. This is a profound statement as to the human condition. That we are subjected to lifelong slavery because of the fear of death. And so that lifelong, from, from the first moment when we tried to wrap our little minds around mortality. And parents, you know what I mean. We, we try to kind of situate our kids to, to start understanding mortality in the best way as possible. We cannot shield them from it. At some point, we're, we were trying to understand the mortality, perhaps of our pets, or of our family, or of ourselves. From that moment until the very last moment, when we finally breathe our last breath, lifelong slavery to the fear of death. Death is this specter that's pictured here in God's Word that haunts all people, haunts everyone. That we try to bury it in our busyness or drown it in something. It's this concern. And it's not like we have it every single second. But it doesn't take long for it to pop up, does it? One little heart flutter. You ever have a little heart flutter, a little heart palpitation? And in the same second is fear. The same second. Or how the, the MRI that you got this week, that you're waiting for Monday for the results, and it like ruins the weekend. You don't know the result. It ruins the weekend. It's this fear of death. Because we understand that life is short. And I think it I think it informs us at each stage in life too. I think of you know the midlife crisis. Maybe that's a birthday. Right? Where you're 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 aware, wow, a lot of life has passed by. Am I going in the right direction? Am I am I doing what I should have done? Am I gonna accomplish or, or do or be what I'm supposed to accomplish or do or be? The only reason there's a midlife crisis is because there's an end of life. And we know it's coming. And the pressures that are on teens and young people particularly 
right now. The pressure to find the right job and get the right career and find the right spouse because you know what? You get one shot and the river's moving. You don't get to just pause the river and kind of, all right, let me get my bearing. The river's moving. So we are concerned. Life is short and precious and precarious. You don't know if there's going to be some virus, some drunk driver, some other thing like that. What I'm increasingly aware of is you can avoid all of those things, but every single day, age takes something. Every day. just to pause here and consider this. It's a little bit like the Christmas carol with Scrooge being confronted by that ghost of Christmas future. And didn't want to look. And it's uncomfortable to look. But friends, we should pause for an perhaps uncomfortable moment with this word of God in our mind and in our eyes that it could wake us up for me. Because one of the realities of the fear of death is that we work really hard to not think about it. Really hard. We entertain, we entertain ourselves. Hours a day. You throw yourself into work or family or relationship. It doesn't have to be bad things. Could be. Try to drink our way out of this sleep around our way out of this. But whatever the medicine would be, it just numbs us for a time. So let's take this moment to be fully awake. Fully conscious human being made of flesh and blood. And maybe this feels rather unchristmassy, Far from that family room hearth and the little kids and the toys good because Jesus came for a whole lot more than that he came for this for this stuff for these moments for dark paths and dark places and dark passages God may have you walk through this is a moment for you to acknowledge your mortality First to yourself, before you acknowledge it to God. But first to yourself. Perhaps you're a teen, still growing in strength. Maybe you're a 20-year-old at the, the height of your physical strength. Maybe you're a 50-year-old at the height of your sort of business and success in life. Maybe you're a 60-year-old and enjoying early retirement. Maybe you're well past that and struggling on in the winter of life. But it doesn't matter. Your days are numbered. Your day. Young person. Older person. Hey, you. I pray there's somebody preaching here in a hundred years. None of us will know. Not one. We rush past this too quickly, kidding. Go back to sleep. This is too uncomfortable. 
to, to silence this, to, to cover it up. You, you might succeed. You might succeed in numbing yourself for another day, but you will miss the reason Christ came for Christmas. You will miss Jesus this Christmas. And so, all right, with the brevity of life now clearly in view, with our eyes wide open, let's look back to the text and see why Jesus came. Because this is the reason that he came, and it is a good one. What it says in verse 15, he came to deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. He came to deliver. Friends, he came to deliver. He didn't come to deliver Christmas trees and presents. He came to deliver you and me from slavery. That's what he came to do, to deliver us, to get us out of this slavery, to get us out of this thing that we can never get out of, this enslavement to our mortality and our, the fear that drives us because of it. This is the best possible news. Now, how did he do this? How did he come to deliver us? Previous verse tells us at the end of verse 14, uh, 14 he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. Jesus came to destroy. He came to do battle. It was deliverance through destruction. He came as a divine warrior to, to conquer and to, to win. He came to do battle. But I'll tell you what, that's not obvious at the manger, is it? Warrior? Battle? This is a strange way to get ready. You know? Let's get ready for a fight. Let's get weak. Who does that? It's like, let's, let's get ready for the Olympics by like, let's eat a lot of donuts and sit around on the couch, maybe watch some videos. Let me tell you, I could be good at the Olympics. Watch it. Yet Christ came, and in preparing to conquer, he made himself weak. What a surprising arrival. He came incognito. He came camouflaged, helpless in a feeding trough for animals. Well, if his, if his manner of coming into the world was surprising, his manner of victory was even more so. You see it there in verse 14? How did he destroy the one who has the power of death? That is the devil. Through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. He came to do battle through death. That is by dying. He came to win by apparently losing. He came to be victorious by being defeated. He came to bring life by dying. Friends, when Christians celebrate Christmas, we should celebrate the day he was born. Absolutely. That's kind of what got everything going. But the truest celebration of Christmas isn't limited to that day. Because that day only makes sense in light of another day. 
His birth makes sense because of his death. That's the day that explains the manger. The cross explains the manger. The cross explains the mission. The cross explains the incognito nature of God's arrival to planet Earth. He was born that he might die. He entered the world so that he could exit the world. On the cross is where he destroyed the one who has the power of death. That is, the dead. On the cross, he delivered all those who from fear of death are subject to lifelong slavery. This is a glorious and wonderful message. It's a message that we all need and each of us needs. Perhaps you came this evening I don't know. For family members? Perhaps you came this evening because it's tradition. Perhaps you came because you, you have a desire in your heart to keep the important things in an important place during this important season. That's good. Friends, is this Jesus the most important person in your life? Is he the most important thing in your life? this evening. We're, we're all worshiping something. We're either worshiping God or, or some God replacement. Some, some kind of idol. Something that, something that helps deliver us from the fear of death for an hour or two. Is it God? Or is it some idol? Success. You know, the, you know the bad thing? If you pursue success, you might get it. And spend half, three quarters of your life running after something that at the end of the day, you can't hold on to. Relationship? Something else? That's more important to you than God? Here's what's going to happen, friends. Here's what's going to happen. Death will take away every idol. None go with you. And none pay anything for your lifelong day. It's over on that last day. But not so those who look to Christ. Not so those who look to Christ. He came to deliver us from the fear of death. So that now for the Christian, death is being brought into the presence of God. The sorrow that accompanies death is 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 accompanied with joy at waking up and seeing our Savior face to face. I wonder if you have repented of your sin and your idolatry and your worshiping Christ this evening. It's why he came to deliver you. Not your sister, your mom, your grandma. You. You. It's not too late came to deliver you if you turn to him. And if you do, he will deliver you as well. Church, this is the Christ we see at the moment. This is the one who took on our weakness. God, all-powerful, took on 
all of our weakness and vulnerability. Walked in suffering. He was the man of sorrow. So that he could take our sorrows, so that he could take our suffering. And he entered this battle, this battle against the one who has the power of death. We didn't even know about the battle. You know what I mean? Like, we weren't like actively engaged, kind of barely losing, really needing a hero to show up. We weren't even fighting. We were we were disqual we were on the wrong team in that fight. And he came in and fought the fight we could not fight and rescued us. Glory to God. So friend, I don't know what the application, where in your life do you need to look to Christ this evening? But whatever you're facing, I can tell you, he's enough. Your shepherd can shepherd you through anything. Through anything. You look to him, he will. He will shepherd you through everything. Until one day, you get to see that faith that was born in the name. Praise God. For Christ's sake. Worship him among us. Let's stand. Churches, we have taken time this past month and our time of Advent on each Sunday. We have considered how Christ being our deliverer has come and he has come and he has given us hope. He has given us peace. He has given us joy. He has given us love. And tonight I light the last candle because as we are considering Christ, we know that it is the baby of Jesus Christ who has come to deliver us from darkness. <coughs> so if you could take your candles now and we can go ahead and start dimming the lights. And before we sing this song, I want to encourage each of us to truly consider the magnitude of when Christ came and he delivered you. Delivering you from darkness is because he is light and John 8 it is Jesus himself. He states I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So may you sing, and as you look at the light, know that this is why we gather tonight, to worship the light of the world, who is Christ Jesus. Let's sing tonight.